Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 297. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually, and by providing competitive salaries and benefits to 240 team members based in Watsonville, California, and Miami, Florida. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we'll also thank three of our major sponsors. Our first thanks goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. And a quick note for all you garden lovers, we're giving away five virtual tickets to the Great Grow Along, a new three-day virtual gardening festival taking place this weekend, May 19th through 21st, online, of course. The Great Grow Along features more than 40 sessions across six topic tracks, and you might win a free ticket to attend. The first five listeners who post a comment in today's show notes for episode 497 will receive the complimentary registration valued at $29.95. Be sure to tell us what's growing in your garden in the comments section. If you miss out on this giveaway, the folks at The Great Grow Along have also shared a $5 off promo code for all of our listeners to join in. That code is SLOWFLOWERSDISCOUNT. Several past guests of the Slow Flowers podcast are in the lineup, and you'll want to grab their presentations, including Lorene Edwards-Forkner, Sue Getz, Kelly Norris, and Allison and Sean McManus. And our friend Terry Spate of Cottage in the Court, author of a forthcoming book for Bloom Imprint, will also be presenting. Sounds like the perfect way to celebrate a new season. Well, I'm so happy to welcome Jill Brooke to the Slow Flowers podcast today. Jill is the creator and editorial director of Flower Power Daily, an online news site for all things flowers. Jill and I were introduced to one another about a year ago through our mutual friends at Fleur de Ville, the floral fashion exhibition that was staged at the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival in 2020. We've chatted by phone a few times, and I appreciate it when Jill sends me newsy emails about how flowers are showing up in our world. Jill has a journalist's uncanny ability to identify and unearth, pun intended, the floral angle to any news topic of the day. If it's a trending hashtag on any subject, Flower Power Daily will elevate the conversation through flowers. A few examples to illustrate my point. 
In the performing arts, Jill wrote about the Barcelona opera playing to flowering plants instead of people. In fashion, Flower Power Daily recently covered the new Kenzo and Vans shoe collaboration featuring floral prints. In politics, sports, wellness, and mental health, food and wine, and beyond, Flower Power Daily interprets every subject through a floral lens. It's a way to view the world that I wholeheartedly endorse. We all want flowers to be universally important, and the stories covered by Flower Power Daily underscore this truth, that humans need flowers. Here's a bit more about Jill Brooke. Jill has been a CNN correspondent, an editor-in-chief at Travel Savvy, Avenue, and Show Circuit, a columnist for the New York Post, Adweek, and Metropolitan Home, and her work has appeared in the New York Times and many women's magazines. With all this professional experience, Jill says that nothing ever felt as right as Flower Power Daily, which she established in February of 2019. Jill gathered seasoned professionals who share the same passion for flowers and respect nature's gifts and insights to help curate the stories, videos, and images you can find each day at Flower Power Daily. You can visit Flower Power Daily's website, subscribe to its newsletter, and follow more flower posts on Instagram, and I'll share those links in today's show notes for you. As Jill says, if you look at life through the prism of flowers, you will be happier. She believes that flowers are here for a reason and that they teach great life lessons. Flowers comfort and congratulate. They express sentiments without many words. No matter what is going on in your life, flowers are here for you, she says. Well, this is a lively conversation, and I know you'll find it entertaining and educational. So let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. I have a very special guest for you today, and I would love to introduce you to Jill Brooke. Hi, Jill. Hi, so happy to be here. Oh, it's, this has been uh, on my wish list for a while. Uh, and Jill is the founder and editor-in-chief of a website called Flower po- Power Daily. Let me say that again, Flower Power Daily. It is the first all-floral news site, and um, it's been on my radar since we were introduced by Mutual Friends about a year ago. So welcome, Jill, and uh, tell us about Flower Power Daily. Well, Flower Power Daily looks at how flowers intersect with news stories and pop culture. And it realizes that flowers are not superficial or frivolous, but have been part of historical cultural movements. It is the only entity at all that literally soothes and comforts as what we use it to comfort, we use it to congratulate people, we use it to acknowledge um, celebrations. And more importantly, it's also, flowers are also used to express emotions when words cannot. Mm-hmm. What else can you think of that does all that? Literally, you know, it's a span of emotions. Every socioeconomic society on the planet responds the same way, acknowledges its beauty. And in fact, um, there was a quantum physicist that looked at flowers as a mathematical entity and realized that its beauty is perfection because it's how it all collectively works together. And it is a miracle 
And in a way, that's what Georgia O'Keeffe was telling everybody when she did her big, big paintings. And, you know, male art, male art critics, of course, looked at it and said, oh, this is scandalous, it's sensual, it's sexual. When in fact, she just wanted people to stop. And once you start looking at a flower and you look at its interior and the wonder of it, you will literally be calmed you will be soothed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you will be inspired. Mm-hmm. And, and also in what I call multicolorism versus multiculturalism, I think that the garden is such a great place because it has a welcoming mat. It shows that there can be beauty, whether they're tall flowers like the iris or big pillowy flowers like the peony, all different colors, all different sizes, short, tall, wide, thin, <laughs> varieties of colors. Some get along, some don't. Um, it is such like a microcosm of the human experience, yeah. but nonetheless expressed and in, through beauty. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like there is probably not a topic on the planet that you cannot find the flower connection for. So can you just tell the listeners of the Slow Flowers podcast, what when they come to Flower Power Daily, what they see, and then how they the other ways to interact with you through social media and your newsletter. You've got a lot of moving parts, and they're all you know bringing people information at wherever they want to receive it, right? Well, I have to say that our Instagram is you know like sh- you know short burst of happy news through the prism of flowers every day, which will be really interesting facts. And then our website expands on that because I realize that people have short attention spans and they don't necessarily want to devote that much time sometimes to material. Mm-hmm. So they'll check us out on Instagram and they'll get their daily burst of fun facts. Like, for instance, um, you know, yesterday we did a great piece about trees and um, what it turned out that there um, somebody who had given a TED talk, this incredible scientist, realized that mother trees know their offspring. And she did this incredible experiment where there were seedlings of her own and seedlings from someplace else. And it turns out that the seedlings that were her own were nurtured more and that, you know, the network within a tree took care of the seedling even at her own expense. And, you know, we are now looking much more and investing more in the science of trees and flowers to really teach us wonderful lessons in how to live our lives more fully and happily. Um, We did um, a great thing on the corpse flower recently because there was another study about that that turns out that they're now creating stud farms. I kid you not, (laughs) stud farms, because they've been so much inbreeding with this particular flower, which obviously the botanical gardens love so much, but they're dying out. So they had to find stud muffins in a way that will be able to breed with them so that this way they become stronger. Um, you know, and today um, we did a piece about mental health and flowers um, because a lot of people are collaborating because flowers can be therapy. Um, we did another story recently um, from Martin Luther King Day. Here's mm-hmm. a perfect example is that you may not have known, but, you know, there were a lot of marches that weren't effective and, you know, were really frightening. Um, but then they decided he and John Lewis and um, someone else that when they did the march in Selma, 
they were going to wear Hawaiian leis that they got from a friend in Hawaii because when people saw others wearing flowers, they wouldn't be scared. It wouldn't trigger fear because flowers are, have always been um, an entity that you know has been used to diffuse violence right. as a metaphor. And indeed it did. And it, that's why you also saw when um, John Lewis recently passed how they put, and this was so beautiful that in honor of him, they put rose petals all over the bridge. So yes. flowers are used in remarkable ways to, you know, communicate among humans. Well, I feel like what you're doing is elevating flowers <clears throat> to the conversation. You know, it's a, it's a, I think it's a really uh, hopeful act and also uh, a radical act that you're, you know, making sure that whenever national news story or cultural circumstance or incident or some art or architecture or Hollywood thing is happening, you're you're raising your hand over here and saying, we're going to write about how flowers factor into this. And I love that. Every single news story. Like, here's an interesting fact. You know, people are saying Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Did you know that Kamala in Sanskrit means lotus? She was named after the lotus flower because her mother, who was Indian, and if you think about it, um, the Indian culture has embraced flowers. I mean, think of the history of the marigold. I mean, right. it's really extraordinary. And, you know, just ceremonially, I mean, I love reporting on, you know, the Indian culture and flowers. But anyway, her mother realized that um, the whole idea that through mud, this beautiful flower, despite any struggle, can emerge and be beautiful. So decided to name her and her sister influenced by flowers. Mm. And not only that, and then her middle name is, um, you know, based on a goddess. Um, and the reason is, is that any culture that celebrates goddesses um, will most likely be good to woman. And, you know, look at her destiny. It's from a flower. And, you know, there are other incredible stories also, um, you know, in the gay rights movement, For uh, I, I think that most people don't realize that, you know, um, in, in, you know, in the lesbian community, um, well, LBG, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, just focusing on that sector right now, um, being respectful to, you know, the whole beautiful, diverse umbrella, that um, the way that women would communicate with each other is by having violets, all right? And um, in fact, a play happened in the 1930s where it was referenced and it became this big scandal because it was, you know, under, you know, under the radar and then it wasn't. Um, it was a and, the message, the message of flowers. Yeah. The message of flowers. And then obviously Oscar Wilde who had the green carnation and, you know, that was, you know, the symbolism, um, you know, at a time, unfortunately, when who you decide to love, you know, was censored and, you know, threatening. Mm. Um, so, you know, flowers really um, have been used as a metaphor for centuries and centuries. I mean, we had another story that last week also, two weeks ago, I think, um, which was um, that we now know that flowers, um, we used to think that they were 135 million years old and now it's been discovered they've been 250 million years old. But there's a really interesting story that I wanna tell you because um, flowers, are healing entities and you know the way we communicate with them um the the act of giving a flower and receiving a flower which again both people respond to 
Um, and it's about the Neanderthals. Do you know the story about the Neanderthals and flowers? No, but I think we need to talk about that word. Tell me more. <laughs> All right. So the Neanderthals for large pocket of history were considered absolutely barbaric, awful, not refined, you know, not mm -hmm. educated. And that was the popular belief system for absolute centuries until somebody um, in the 1950s um, started doing this um, and just had this vision that I have to go to Iraq and I have to find this dig and I'm going to uncover an earth, you know, material. And sure enough, he did. And what he found out is that the Neanderthals actually, when people died, they would give flowers. And that was a way to realize and re-examine that they were far more civilized than we had given them credit for. And this was obviously before Homo Deus, that incredible book. And, um, and not only were they more civilized, but the way that they used flowers um, to care for each other showed that they were actually more thriving communities mm. than history had depicted it. And now it's completely shifted, mm. all because of a flower. Mm. Jill, you are so research-based. I know you have a team of freelancers who work for Flower Power Daily, but talk a little bit about how you produce all this content um, that is, you know, in a way you think, oh, it's a single topic. No, actually, you're covering every topic. You've got, you've probably covered professional sports as well as, I don't know, politics. I mean, you're kind of covering everything. For the football and, you know, the flowers of teams. And, you know, if you think about it in sports, you know, um, you know, the Rose Bowl, the Bowl and then Kentucky, you know, the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, again, it diminishes violence often, mm. you know, flowers. Why do we give it to sports heroes? And actually that started during, um, you know, the Greek period with gladiators, you know, and they had their gladiators. And that's why you call them gladiolus. And, you know, they had the, the crowns. Right. So, again, it's, you know, flowers. Um, are here to teach us so many lessons. And one of them is that um, to find peace and love and joy and uh, to, to diminish the ugliness of the world. It is not to ignore the ugliness of the world. It is to, to remind you that beauty and solace still exist. Right. That's the comforting part of it is that it's not saying that, you know, life isn't hard and that we have to navigate lots of struggles. It's saying that th this entity, these flowers that grow all over earth are here um, to give you beauty. And I have advocated for so long that they should be in everybody's toolbox. And I, um, because we all need something in our lives when we are stressed that literally we just go to and can calm us and give us new perspective. And anytime you were around flowers, either smelling them or being around them, it just makes you happier. So have it in your toolbox and make sure, like even Andrew Weil, when he was talking about, you know, the elements of health, I mean, it's not, you know, a surprise to you and me who love flowers like we do, that he said, that's one of the essential, the top seven, you need flowers around you. Now, the argument for flowers all the time is, but they die. Right. They only last four or five days. Right. And you can look at it like that and say, yeah, that's true. You know, I don't care what anybody says that, you know, they don't last a long time. And no matter what you put in, whether it's the vodka, the this or the that, no. But that is the lesson because the lesson of flowers are, the lessons are that 
you are to savor every great moment when you have it. And that there are cycles of life. Life is a roller coaster ride. So there's a beginning, middle, and end. And savor the beauty, the carpe diem, which I have written like literally on, you know, on my desk. Enjoy the moment of flowers when you have it. And that's also why I like um, the Japanese culture, because Ikebana, for instance, um, uh, most of your um, you know, viewers would and listeners, I'm sure, would enjoy them. Ikebana requires um, that each arrangement has a bud, which represents you know, um, birth and beginning, something that's ripe and something that is fading and dying. Mm -hmm. And dying is not to be feared. Mm -hmm. It is just to recognize that nature is a cycle and to embrace that cycle and not to be afraid of it. And that is what gardening does. It teaches us not to be afraid when you work with the soil and you see how things grow and you things have sight, how they cycle. And you realize that you are supposed to enjoy these good moments and not think it's a dress rehearsal. It's that moment right now. Pay attention. You have a beautiful rose. You have a tulip that's in bloom. Spend the three minutes to really enjoy it. And in a way, I have to just give you so much credit, Deb, because what you've done with the whole slow flowers movement, we were, I mean, I have to say that there are some, um, I don't mean to be controversial here, but, you know, I am not diminishing the the horrible aspects of COVID and the losses uh, on monumental levels. But as somebody who always looks at silver linings, you know, COVID has, um, nature has pressed the pause button mm-hmm. and so, a who's boss mm-hmm. and B, you know, it has pressed the pause button to make us, fo- you know, refocus our priorities and perspectives and more people. Now it's 20 million new gardeners have happened. And there was a recent study that just came out that said, interestingly enough, that now that anyone who finally experiences gardening and experiences flowers they are going to continue doing it because it's so joyful, as you and I know. And what you have done, uh, you know, I call you one of the goddesses of the garden. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, yeah. And you and, you know, Lady Bird and a few other people have been <laughs> goddesses of the garden. And what your message has been is to slow down. And I have to say that before COVID and especially living this, you know, editor in chief life like my previous life. Um, and everything was at such a fast, frenetic pace, and you, nobody had any time to do anything. Um, and yet, what that robbed us of, to enjoy and savor the moment. And yet, even pre-COVID, this has been your message for a lifetime, and it just shows you that you got the memo, but now everybody else is. <laughs> and it, it just anchors you as this person and this sage who, you know, recognizes how important it is to savor the moment and slow down and really appreciate the process. Because, you know, it's that chorus poem. It's not the destination you're going to. It's the journey getting there. Okay, Jill, you're a doll. You are, you get it. I don't have to explain slow flowers to you, which I so appreciate. Um, 
You alluded to something about your past editor-in-chief life. So I want to talk about the path that you've taken, how flowers have pulled you along the path to, to launch Flower Power Daily, because you have an amazing credentials of, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll share this in the introduction, but, you know, you've been a CNN correspondent, uh, editor-in-chief at Travel Savvy, Avenue, Show Circuit, and a columnist for the New York Post, Adweek, Metropolitan Home, as well as writing for the New York Times and many women's magazines. So you've done print, you've done TV, a radio, like your life has been media. So where, <laughs> where right. did you take a little side path over to Flowers? Um, well, again, um, it's not that I, um, you know, um, tiptoed through the tulips and then said I'm leaving one thing for the other. I think that Flowers are always with us, um, you know, this will take a little bit description, but hopefully, you know, your audience will bear with me. Oh, sure. I think that the story is worth knowing only because we, we're, we're so fearful sometimes about, you know, what do I do? And we always don't have enough confidence that you never know what's around the corner. So yes, I am an extremely aesthetic person who've had flowers in their life always. Um, I grew up, you know, having the exposure. My father was European and even you could go traveling in France and they knew in Europe that you could just have a little bud vase with one little flower and it how it enhances, you know, the experience. So I've always been around flowers. And um, what happened, and also because I was in media, um, you know, and I covered the entertainment business. So I got a front row seat to the Colin Cowies, the Preston Bailey. I mean, everyone um, early on, because we were writing about these big events and, you know, the big shows and everything else. So, you know, I got a front row seat to see what excellence was. Mm. But in a way, you have to be schooled at, you know, the absolute apex of excellence because then you can bring it down a little bit and make it more relatable and accessible to others. But you have to understand the design elements. And also, you know, I have an art history degree as well as a you know writing degree. And we all at a certain point have to just close our eyes and hopefully run flowers and just say, be honest, what are you good at and what are you not good at? And what I really am good at is um, having a curious mind, a loving heart, and the ability to hear people's stories mm -hmm. and write portraits of them and be a storyteller. So it wasn't that I came in here as this great botanist or gardener. I really came in here with wide eyes saying, teach me, I want to learn. And um, earlier on, um, when I was at the networks and working 14 hour days and everything else, I worked, I started my career working at ABC News Nightline. And while all my college and friends were there, um, you know, they got off at regular hours and were seeing each other. I'm at Nightline at midnight. And I said, well, you know what? I realize when I look around and you observe that I don't want to be competitive with my friends. Mm -hmm. And I need to maintain my college and high school friends because when I mess up or I have questions or I don't know what to do, you don't want to tell your colleague, I have no idea what to do. So what you can do is you call up your girlfriends and you have your sisterhood and say, listen, this just happened to me. My boss yelled at me. My boss is this, or I don't know how to approach the story. What would you do? 
You need those friends. So I had a dinner party every Saturday night at my house, potluck, and I would just put flowers on the table and we would do that. And it's, you know, once you start just putting flowers on the table in your 20s, then you do it always because you just realize how pretty it is. Now, fast forward. So, yes, I learned about flowers. Um, I also now, because of all these experiences, and for everybody out there, we live life in chapters. Deb and I will tell you this when, you know, you are seasoned woman, which we are, that you live life in chapters and trust the process, trust the journey, that when a door closes, another opens. It's really just about having a positive outlook and trying to have more gratitude than expectations. Mm-hmm. And just to say, okay, well, this didn't work out. And why did that person get this job? Because they're not as talented or maybe they're more connected or whatever it is. But just have faith that the more you learn, the more you love, the luckier you'll get. And, you know, you'll be led, you know, each experience will ferry you to someplace else. So now I want to get to the flower power daily part because it's true. I've worked for ABC, CBS, and, you know, CNN and all these magazines, but I was working for other people. And there is the truth that you reach a certain number. And um, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't want to be the chorus of complainers. I realized that, you know, women today, we're all on pioneer territory. And we are the first generation that's going to live 30 years longer. And many of us do want to work and be engaged. And how do you still have conversations with people and learn? you got to be doing something. So I dreamed up, um, I knew I wanted to do something to do with flowers. And, um, and also, and this is really the important part. You know, everyone out there, I bet you, you have great ideas and you've thought about doing something and you thought about cultivating them, but you know, you have to have money to do it and you need a mistake fund. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are so many people that just haven't had the opportunity and just because you don't do it at 30 and what I've learned, and if there's any lesson I can give to the sisterhood here is, yeah, I would have liked to have done this 20 years ago for sure. But I couldn't. I had to support myself. I, you know, I, I had to support myself. I didn't have two or three years not to have a paycheck. Right. And I didn't have, you know, and then you have a child, and I had baseball expenses and school expenses. And once my son Parker was launched, it was like, okay, this is my time right yep. now. Yeah. Runway may be a little smaller, but it's my time. And so I was able to invest in building this website. And um, I knew I didn't want to do print because, you know, having covered media for all these places, I know that unfortunately, um, advertising, you know, because of Facebook and everything else, it's it's migrating away from print, right? It is. So, you know, like I have a saying, Deb, that I always say, anytime you argue with reality, you will lose. (laughs) So what be clear about what reality is and don't be afraid of it. Because once you have clarity is how you can then proceed. Right. And so I said, okay, I'm only going to do this as a website. And I'm going to look at how flowers, because there's so many amazing, you know, floral entities. And they look at the floral business and they look at, you know, beautiful arrangements. But they didn't look at how flowers intersect in news stories and um, in wellness, in food, in design, in art, in music, in culture. And I wanted to be that person that gave the respect to what flowers are uh, metaphorically 
um, in all aspects of life. So every day you will see on our Instagram, this gorgeous picture that luckily because of my previous life, which is the point is that it's like a Surat painting. Um, looking in right now, if somebody looked at my life, they would see, oh, it, it makes total sense, but it didn't. Right. All these little dots are coexisting. So what happened is, is that because I treated people really well when I, you know, in the roller coaster of life, you are high, you're low. I mean, trust me, I'm used to huge audiences that when, you know, I would call from the New York Times, from CNN, from, you know, CBS, people would take my calls. And when you call from Flower Power Daily that nobody's ever heard of and you're starting <laughs> last week, you know, it's it, it's, a, it's a humbling experience. Mm. You just have to say, hmm. But what was what made it work is that the, the seeds that I planted over a 20 year career of always being kind to people and fair to people and having an integrity that they knew that even if they participated in Flower Power Daily, the photographers from around the world that I had worked with and had treated well said, Jilly, go ahead. I'm giving you the photographs for free here. You just put it on and you do this. And then, you know, some people that I knew said, here are the books, start writing about it. And that is why that the reward isn't necessarily immediate when you treat people well, because you can steamroll and you can certainly many people really succeed that way. Um, but you know, the relationships when you're not the big time person really matter. And now as things are moving up and, you know, as we'll discuss later, um, this other project that now has happened in this TV show, that's not an accident. I mean, it is, it's total luck right. because there are so many brilliant, more brilliant people than me. And there are so many hardworking people that deserve, you know, this and more. Though I have to say, though, Nicholas Kristof had this incredible quote, which, you know, has has been my North Star, which is that for some reason, especially with women, and not, I don't mean this, in, in, I'm just saying in general, because they had so few opportunities until this moment of time, um, that there used to be this belief that if one person succeeded, it was at the expense of someone else. Right. But it's not that, because the universe is abundant. And when you collaborate and not feel and fight that feeling of competitiveness, you will realize that by creating a garden of great people in your posse, then you will then grow with them. Yeah. And, it, you know, look, that's what you've done. This week, I want to take a break before continuing part two of my conversation with Jill and tell you about Jennifer Jewell, creator and host of Cultivating Place, a public radio program and podcast. Jennifer is a past guest of this podcast, and she will be speaking at the 2021 Slow Flower Summit in June as our capstone speaker. We're both hoping to share one another's programming with our listeners, and Jennifer has a bit to share about Cultivating Place in this next little clip. No matter what kind of gardener you are, a houseplant jungle keeper, a windowsill or backyard beginner, a longtime flower farmer or rewilder, you know that essential connections exist between our gardens, the natural world, and planet Earth as a whole. I'm Jennifer Jewell, host of the award-winning public radio podcast, Cultivating Place. On this program, we explore not only how we garden, but why we garden and the meanings of our gardens, both big and small, to a greater world. On Cultivating Place, 
We talk with growers, scientists, artists, spiritual leaders, and thinkers from around the world. We celebrate how these interconnections support ourselves, our families, our communities, our natural environments, even our economies. This is a show that celebrates how our human impulse to garden feeds not only our bodies, but our spirits with deep meaning and joy. I believe the world we live in needs more joy, more connection, more green and greater meaning. And our gardens offer us all of this. Cultivating Place engages and encourages you and your garden to know and grow the world more deeply. Join us. Subscribe to the Cultivating Place podcast wherever you get your podcasts or listen on our website, cultivatingplace.com. Together, we grow better. It's so great talking to you. I just, uh, I, I have a million ideas that I want to ask you about relating to flowers and our lives. I, I, can I just throw one at you and get your reaction? Sure. So we've had a lot of cable news in our house in the last year, mainly because we're home all the time and it's kind of an evening ritual. And I have become fascinated that, of course, all these guests on these news shows are coming on from their living rooms or their kitchens. And I always look to see what the decor is and the flowers. And I'm sure you've got an opinion about this, but there's some some political analysts who have a really excellent taste in flowers. And even, you know, it just surprises me. So I want to know what, what have you observed that and sort of uh, documented over the last year that, that our media but, landscape but has changed? It's totally strategic, mm. all right, because they're, they want their voices to be heard. And just like you are noticing a pleasing environment, mm -hmm. um, we're doing a really interesting story that just speaks to this, is that if you look at every interior design magazine, every one of them has a prominent flower someplace in the design, right? It's always in the coffee table, it's in the kitchen, it's right. wherever it is. So I have, um, I just assigned somebody this story where they are taking um, the, you know, many like the top 20 major decorators and taking one of their rooms and showing it without the flower in it what mm. it looks like mm. and i trust and, and you know this segs into something else that i think is really important you know when i was at gallery and i was at ad you know all these store places i've been not only at, not, not as an editor in charge but like you know begging for work and you know writing for um what was really you know interesting to me about um all these artists that I would have to write about because, you know, they knew I had this art history degree and, um, and they were quote emerging artists and they would get a full page and they did, and, you know, for the painting. And yet you didn't see anything about florist. And one of the things that I am really, really proud of that flower power daily has been able to do is that we champion florist from around the country and moreover, as I say, that instead of paint, they use branches and blooms, and they should be regarded as an artist, just like that emerging painter yes, in exactly. these magazines. And they work harder. And I don't want to say harder in the sense that, um, you know, painters work hard too. I'm not saying that, yeah. but 
it's perishable. Yeah. Like with paint, you have your imagination and then you just think of what you want to draw, right? But, you know, a florist has a lot of variables that just complicate their vision and their execution. So I have such incredible respect for them. So when I started out, which I think really did help boost um, Flower Power Daily Just a Drop, was um, I interviewed um, Jenny Tobin, who had 20, um, 20, okay, Oscar-nominated films and between Oscar and BAFTAs from everything from The Favorite to Fantastic Beast to Cinderella to, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Kingsman, like she's done everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And I, and this is a question I always ask people and you can ask just at your conversation at home. Um, and the question was, is, all right, so you've accomplished so much. Here's a crystal ball. What would you want that you haven't gotten? And to which she said, I would like to see once a credit on when I go into a film that, you know, I work 12 hour days for months at a time to set the mood. And yet the, the nephew of some producer who just got coffee will get a credit as an assistant and the floral designer won't. And, you know, that planted a seed also with me. And um, I said, that's really interesting because I want flower florists to be treated as ar the artists that they are. Absolutely. I want to ask you what's up on what's on deck for you. Uh, you kind of hinted at it by mentioning Jenny Tobin, the florist who's got 20 Oscar and and uh, BAFTA you know, nominations under her belt um, or films rather. Uh, so you've got some news to share about your next I do. A I new, do. So a new thing you're doing. And I want to, I want to reveal it today. Okay. We're going to reveal it. All okay. right. Um, so I want to rewind the tape just for one sure. second to let people know that literally before this happened, I was speaking to my husband and I was lamenting and I was saying, you know, I've never had so much joy in any job because every day I'm learning something new and I'm working, in, you know, how, how great is life when you get the best photography around the world about flowers. Right. And I love doing all that, but I said, oh, you know, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? Cause I look at Martha and I look at everyone else and, you know, and my friend Leslie Lampert was in there also. And I want to just say this because we all need the sisterhood and great friends. So I almost didn't start Flower Power Daily because I said, I'm too old. And look at Martha Stewart. She's been doing this for 25 years. Like, who am I to think I'm going to do anything different? Yeah. But your and point of view is so different than hers. It is. No and one has your point of view. And you want to know what Leslie said? And this is why you need a good girlfriend. She looked at me and she said, okay, so... Martha Stewart is the, you know, five-star restaurant. She's John George. But you know what? You still need the local Italian restaurant on the corner too. And you really like that as well. And I don't know why, but that one sentence said, you know what? That's true. I'll be like the cozy bistro. Let her be the five-star restaurant. That's absolutely <laughs> true. That's perfect. And, there you go. and I'll find my own audience. And there you go. And I really mean that. That was such a big moment for me. And um, so fast forward. And then, yeah, then I was discussing, like, you know, I was in the entertainment business for all this time. And I, I, there, I, I, I sometimes I forget the name of flowers, you know, like I can write about them. But then to remember them. And maybe if I was doing this for 25 years, I would know everything. It would have stuck. Yeah. <laughs> it stuck. And, um, and then I realized that I'm the instrument 
all right, to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, and I'm a good researcher. Mm-hmm. So a- anyway, so what happened was, is um, this injustice against florist has always obviously bothered me. So my stories started getting picked up by um, Aspire Design and um, Home Magazine and did very well. And they said, look, your work is really resonating here. Do you have any ideas? And that's why it's important to always express your ideas. And I said, well, um, if you think about it, what have we been doing because of COVID? We're all home watching television and we're thinking of how to redecorate. Why don't we combine the two and do an award show called the best dress rooms in TV and film where we honor the set decorators who create these incredible environments um, that launch the narrative of the stories and illustrate the characters and give them the credit that they've never had. And um, because we have a design loving audience and the only prerequisite that I really asked for is I want a separate category for floral artistry. And luckily, Steve Mandel and Amy Schneider, they said, you know what? Nobody's ever done this. We will do this because they also own the most show houses um, you know, around the country in the U.S. And they said, great, we're going to do this. We're going to do the award show. It'll be TV. We're going to do editorial covering it. And you will also get your floral artistry you know, award. That's awesome. Judges. So it's going, we right now, starting next week, we're going to, you know, do like best contemporary design and best period design, best rooms that evoke nostalgia, best kitchens and dining room experiences. And, um, you know, aside from the category of flowers and, um, and then, you know, it's going to be great. And I just think that floral artistry it, and in the same way um, about the slow flower movement. And if you think about it, going back to like what you're doing, which I think is really important to mention, is it the slow flower movement has become the instrument. Again, flowers like the Neanderthal that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier is also the creating conversations about biodiversity, yep. about equality, about... Yep. The poisoning of soil, because here's an example, as you know, and you better than me, um, that even medicines and food that are grown from soil that has been diminished by chemicals isn't as potent. Yeah. So considering all the things that come from the soil in healing, um, and don't forget 60% of our food come from flowers. And, um, you know, many of our medicines and our perfumes and all the things that we love and enjoy that enhance wellness come from flowers. So again, it's another door through flowers to discuss bigger issues, such as the environment, which luckily I love hearing from all the 20 somethings that follow me that on Instagram that, um, you know, these conversations are great to have and I think are going to, you know, literally they're creating beds of the future. Yep. Yep. Okay. So quick question. The, for the next two months until the winners are chosen on April 22nd, Aspire Design and Home will showcase the nominated production designers, set decorators and floral designers. So that's all, where can people see that? They'll be able to see it on Aspire um, Design and Home. Okay. 
I think it's this um, aspiremetro.com. Okay, I'll um, share it's that link. Next, it's it's starting next week, but more importantly, you know, also flowerpoweredaily.com. Well, that's going to ask you, are you going to also feature a lot of this on Flower Power Daily? Yes, as well? I'm going to feature okay. it all on Flower Power Daily. And I think, again, um, you know, we can redefine our lives and we don't have to follow the previous script. Absolutely. Because we're all, you know, life, you know, is, again, um, many twists and turns. And one of the things that I do realize is I just love learning and researching flowers. And um, part of my deal with them on the show is that I never want to leave Flower Power Daily. It's going to be, it's going to grow with me for, you know, the rest of my life. And I couldn't be happier. And I think also if we could, you know, just talk about what that means and what gardening means is that we t- like, I have a story that we did like the, you know, five flowers that teach us about patience because not everybody, not every great flower blooms every year. Some is two years, some seven years, mm-hmm. which is a lesson to teach us that everyone has their own destiny and to trust, trust it and accept it and find the beauty within that framework. And, you know, I know that Flower Power Daily is what I want to do. And, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. For most of my career, I the boss would say, I want you to do this. And I would say, yes. In fact, I wrote a book. One of my books is called The Need to Say No, because <laughs> um, I was so bad at boundaries. Like, I would say yes to everything. Um, I love it. I was very good about that. I said, no way, buddies, because I grew up with too many brothers. But um um, but with um, certainly in my workspace, and that that has been consistent with women a lot. How do you say no? Um, the word no is in the word knowledge. So I, I was a little nervous about it. And I said, listen, you know, I love this and this is great. But, you know, I want to simultaneously never do Flower Power Daily. And they said, great. So, you know, I'll be doing this sector for them and then, you know, do Flower Power Daily. And then we have something else coming. And again, I want to also add one piece that people say, said to me when I started this. They said, how are you going to monetize? Right. We don't have all the answers. And I know that I have so many brilliant friends who are so much smarter than me. And, you know, they right out of the gate, they were able to figure out how to do that. And I realized that it's going, I just trusted that, you know, I had a mistake. It will come. If you really do good work and you're passionate about it, you will find the answers. And I think that not enough business schools, and I covered also business for CNN. So I did a lot. I used to do the show, well, you know, whatever. But what it meant was, is like, you know, interviewing a zillion entrepreneurs. And everybody used to come and, you know, think that they were a genius because they figured it out. They figured it out because it was working for them. But then if you meet them five years from now and they're trying to do something else and they're like shocked that, oh my, that didn't work. Because there are lots of factors and you should never, ever feel that you're failing as long as you're learning. And so maybe I've been knocked around a little bit more than more most or but I've never given up. And I continue learning. And the learning is leading me every day to something else and certainly a more joyful life. And now this just happened. So you know, you know, it didn't happen 20 years ago, right now. Um, But at least it's happening. Okay, I'm going to throw another category at you for 2022. Um, wearing the, I'm, I, Slow Flowers is the, the integration of where flower farmers and floral designers come together. So 
all those flower farmers who've grown those flowers that are on the sets of Hollywood shows would love to have props given to them too. So in the future, maybe there's some uh, parallel reporting that can happen about, you know, when you have these beautiful arrangements, have the florists share their sources and who are the farms that they oh, source them from? Oh, what we that. have at the end of this, all right, like, because uh, we're having a section after each, you know, category called shop that look. Okay. And, but you also understand one thing, like when you're doing the crown or the favorite or any of these shows where they're hot, hot lights and it's indoors. And especially if the scene is going to be for four or five, you know, for five days and you can't have wilting flowers, they will use, you know, wonderful synthetic flowers. All right. right. I always wondered about that. Yeah. But they have to though, because you know, the, but the outside ones, like for a particular scene, like, um, in a garden a, or in something. A garden, like for Emma, for a place to call home, for Bridgerton, um, for, um, you know, those were some of the nominees. Some of their most iconic scenes were in gardens outside and they were definitely real flowers. Um, you know, in Bridgerton, which is like this hot show right now, when, you know, the suitors came in, you saw all these gorgeous arrangements yes. that, you know, they were bringing in because it was part of courtship. And yes, indeedy. That's exactly what happened. Those were absolutely real flowers. So you can really tell. But, you know, you look at it. I mean, this wasn't nominated for this year. But, you know, when you look at even the movie The Wife, for instance, right, which was very somber and that undertone of what was really going on. If you really notice how they used flowers so effectively in that movie so that there was still beauty among the darkness and they used lavenders, for instance, versus bright colors. But you know, they were strategically placed so that it was still aesthetically pleasing. So, you know, flowers help tell the narrative in really wonderful ways. And that's what we're going to be reporting on. That's awesome. Such a skill. And you can do it also for your home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, last but not least, I'm hoping, like people will say to me, um, and, you know, especially I'm around a lot of boys and, you know, my son was a um, college baseball player and, um, and I would bring all the boys and, you know, wherever we were. And I take him to the botanical garden, wherever I was. And I would say, I'll pay for lunch. I'm paying for dinner. You're coming with me. I love it. So, and once you would expose them to flowers and they would see the majesty and the beauty and the varieties I, I just have this picture of my son's friend, Max, literally his nose edged on this rose, like, and, you know, it was discovery. So once people discover flowers, they, they go down that rabbit hole really big time and they never regret it. And maybe all of us right now are the people that are just really encouraging and ushering in a whole new era of flower love. Yeah. And, um, there's the term nature blindness. And I think that we're trying to help people be nature observers and, you know, it'll get rid of that blindness. And the only way they'll do that is by becoming enchanted by a story that connects them with a flower. And that's really what drives you. Uh, and in every and piece shows, you write. Some of the shows, like we had Judas and the Messiah, you know, like you don't expect, you're not thinking that the flowers are there, but all of a sudden when we point it out, right. 
realized. And also, um, we did this really cool um, piece about, um, which I want to encourage because, you know, we're becoming a more evolved society. And it shouldn't only be men who are giving women flowers. Right. We should be giving flowers to everyone. Right. And there was this lovely study that we reported on that said that once uh, men got flowers, because it's so unexpected, um, you know, you're wonderful, congratulations on your job, whatever it is. Once they got it and experienced it, like their voices changed, their eye contact changed. I mean, it was actually measured. So it has the same type of effect. And so hopefully if anybody's listening to this, think about, wow, who should I send flowers to today? Because you will get a positive response. Now I realize that sometimes it's expensive. Another alternative is collect bud vases. I collect bud vases and wherever I go, because now I'm the flower girl, right? At Flower Power Daily. I never go anywhere without bringing a flower. Mm. And so you don't have to have abundance. Right. Just choose a gorgeous flower. I one love it. flower. Yeah. And can I just tell one story that yes. we did for 9-11? That was yes. before the pandemic a year ago. And um, so I went, I, I was interviewing this, you know, flowers and he's one of these like you know Chris you know this old timer because you realize that in a lot of these flower shows they've been generations and generations right and um so I said what is the most fragrant rose you have in the store and they went oh that's an interesting question well here is this it just came from I think Ecuador it's gorgeous so it was a 9-11 and I just took it I got the bought the flower I will go outside and this couple is fighting and I don't know, impulsively, I just put the rose underneath both of their noses. And I said, smell this. It's 9-11. Let's think about love. You should see what this did. It immediately completely changed the dynamic. And they said, thank you so much. And then I went, oh, that is so interesting. And then afterwards, I had to go someplace else. I put I went to the subway with this rose. Oh, no, no. The best story is then I went to Best Buy and I'm online and I'm starting to, and people are all of a sudden sniffing and hear, smelling this incredible fragrant rose. And I'm talking to people and, um, and I even gave it to the sales girl. I said, smell this. This is what one flower can do. And the guy behind me said, I'm so glad you did this. I, I'm in New York for the first time and um, visiting someone and I want to bring them flowers and I don't know where to go. And then we told him that there was a floor store right next door and it created conversations. I love it. I have this saying that um, actually Carolyn Rome is putting in her book, her next book, which I always say is that, you know, even when they're stomped and trampled on, um, you know, flowers have their inner beauty and resilience. So the whole point is, is that no matter what happens, it regrows. Mm. So use flowers as conversation starters because their histories are so rich Mm. and you can learn about those histories through Flower Power Daily. Yep. You're touching on the universal, the universal importance of flowers. And I think everyone listening is totally on board with that. You've got a fan base here. Uh, you've got a fan in me. And I'm just delighted that we could have this extended conversation. Jill, uh, this is the first of future conversations as I, your next chapters unfold. Um, but I'm really grateful that we could talk about your news and also what has been going on in the last couple of years with you. Um, I could keep going, but I'm kind of at the end of my time. And I just want to thank you for for just being so generous with your stories today. 
Well, thank you for being you because we need these conversations because it's not economic. It's just finding nature. You can go to a botanical garden. You can go to a nursery, take your children there, go to the nursery. I do all the time just to feel happy. It's accessible to everyone. Just find the tools in your toolbox. Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you, Deb. so much for joining me today. Talking with Jill is entirely invigorating. Her energy level is bound to boost anyone else's metabolism too. And it's all because of flowers. I want to thank her for giving Slow Flowers a shout out last summer with a story titled Five Americans Making History in the Flower World. And you can find that post in today's show notes as well. Please check out our show notes to read more about the just announced nominations for Aspire Design and Home magazine's Best Dressed Rooms in TV and Film Awards. Jill is quoted in the press announcement saying, Because we are spending so much time indoors, we're all talking about what TV shows to watch and ways to redecorate. People are appreciating and focusing on design more than ever. So it's a perfect marriage and perfect timing for an awards program honoring the fabulous interiors of TV shows and films. The awards will be announced on April 22nd, and you can also find a link to the categories, nominations, and judges in our show notes. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Earlier this month, Slow Flowers and AIFD, the American Institute of Floral Designers, teamed up to record a webinar called From Farm to Florist, featuring Brad Seabee, General Manager of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, Cassie Plummer of Jigby Flower Farm, Diane and Lillian Calhoun of Calhoun Flower Farm, Amelia Ilo of Rooted Farmers, Gina Thresher, AIFD EMC of From the Ground Up Floral, and Renee Tucci, AIFD all Slow Flowers members, as well as myself and Marisa Guerrera, AIFD of Debbie's Bloomers. Together, we discussed the benefits and best practices to incorporate locally grown flowers into everyday designs and event work. If you missed the webinar, the free replay video is featured on AIFD's Northeast Chapters YouTube channel, and I'll share it in today's show notes for you to watch. It was a fantastic session, and I love the meeting of the minds between florists and flower farmers that took place. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 703,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flower's ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at DebraPrinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Music